it is the father who has the primary responsibility to bring up their, his children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, we're told that in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. That does not uh, ex- uh, uh, you know, eliminate the, the mother in the process. She's the keeper of the home. She's to teach her children and uh, has a lot of responsibilities since dad is usually gone at work and so forth. But the responsibility that God will seek accountability from is, is from, the, uh, from the husband or from the father in the home. And, uh, but bringing up children, which is a joint effort from dad and mom, like Aspalia, but so much more important, is that it takes patience and work. And uh, I find that one of the greatest problems in America today, um, we have so many children who come out of the homes and they are totally disobedient. They're very difficult. Some of them are disturbed. They're dysfunctional. Some are doped up. They're delinquent. They're dangerous and they're do-nothing children. It's a shame. It wasn't that way all along, but uh, we're seeing that take place. And in fact, the Bible actually describes, I think, the generation, if you'll turn over a few pages in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11, the Bible says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And there's a fourfold description there given of what I think is in many ways the present generation that is shaping up, if not already here among us. A generation that is filled with rebellion against parents. It may be a religious generation in some ways, pure in their own eyes, but not washed from their own filthiness. It's an unregenerate uh, group. And there is uh, pride, it's full of pride. How lofty are their eyes? And revilement. There's a generation that has no concern for other people, as we see there in verse number 14. And so we know that we're living in that kind of a generation and children are the product of their homes. But I think what is somewhat more frightening is the fact that we're seeing that coming from some of our Christian homes. And uh, the Word of God, of course, has much to say about the home. It is the first institution from God. He instituted marriage and the home. We read about that in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. And throughout the Bible, you'll find God's blueprint for courtship, for marriage, for the roles of husband and wife, areas such as financing, but also that of parenting in the home. And I think I've mentioned this before at the family camp, but the book of Proverbs has much to say about these matters. And Proverbs 22 and verse number 6 is uh, really one of those key scriptures that uh, we find concerning the bringing up of children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, before I get into what I'd like to bring out, as, uh, hopefully as a, a way of helping you, uh, just looking at that verse, 
uh, breaking it down into its word components, there are, um, there are seven important observations that we can just dig out of this verse. The first word is train. That's an imperative, that's a command, it's not a suggestion. And uh, we can equate that or relate that to training for a marathon or to some sporting event. Uh, you know that uh, you can't just roll up on the day having already stopped off at McDonald's for a big hearty breakfast and hope to run the race. Uh, training requires uh, definite uh, acts, it, it requires uh, uh, deprivation of certain things and it requires a lot of pain and, <laughs> and uh, training and practice and so forth. And so it is, we need to understand that uh, children that are a blessing don't just happen. There is that process of training. And then it says, up, train up. That word up is important. It's a, it's a positive thing. Uh, you know, children can go up or down uh, in their life and we want them to go up uh, in, the, in the things of God. And so there is the training, there's the positive up there, and it must begin early. It says train up a child. So many uh, uh, Christian parents uh, are, are trying to train their teenagers and it can be done. <laughs> But it's not easy. Uh, God has prescribed a time to begin training children. And that's really right from the beginning as a child. And uh, that's important for us to understand. Uh, training and bringing up children has a direction. The Bible says in the way he should go or in the way. So we want uh, the, the way is, of course, the Bible way. And so uh, there's no secret there that we want our children to be brought up in biblical principles and understanding and a knowledge of the Word of God, uh, that they would have wisdom in their life. Uh, see, every, every part of this verse has something for parenting. And then it says, in the way he should go. I, I thought about that word should. It, it doesn't say the way he will go. It says he should go because when you are bringing up your children, you're dealing with a stubborn heart. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit here uh, this morning. And then it takes time when he is old. <laughs> it's a, it really is almost a lifelong process. I mean, um, I guess technically it's from birth to uh, whatever age uh, a child leaves the home, uh, gets married, but really it never ends. It may change in its format. Obviously, uh, as parents, we cannot begin to interfere in the married lives of our children. Uh, unless we're asked and requested. But there is still that mentoring and that uh, helping along the way. But it is uh, a lifelong process. Uh, I think a lot of parents would wish that there was just some magic uh, formula that you could uh, sprinkle on your children at night while they're sleeping and lo and behold, they wake up as wonderful, obedient, godly children. But a lot of times it uh, feels like... Uh, you know, three, three steps forward and forward ba four backward or something like that. It's, it's a tedious thing. And, and of course, for those of you with young children, it's a wearing process. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to see the light of day at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Uh, but if you'll stick with it, if you'll trust God and ask God for strength, uh, you'll, be a, you'll be praising the Lord for the blessing of having godly children. And certainly it does produce fruit. He will not depart from it. And that's what we want, our children not only to be a blessing while they're growing up in the home, but as we launch them out into their own lives, that they continue to be a blessing 
And uh, that's one of the great concerns I believe we should have is not only for our own selves, but for the next generation. Um, you know, I, I think of that uh, account in the Old Testament of, of the king, I believe it was Hezekiah, and he was told a little bit about the future and he said, well, I'm glad it's going to be good in my day. He was just interested in his own particular world and not for the next generation. But uh, uh, we want that uh, in our families. We want to see that in our families and our children will grow up and serve the Lord and be a blessing to others. And so as we look at this verse, you know, just breaking it down word for word, you've got probably a seven-point outline um, that you could, uh, could really uh, ponder and, and, and study and, and even if you're a preacher, preach on it. But I want to give you some things about bringing up children, training children that uh, I think will, at least I hope it will be a, a help or a reminder if you have children that have already grown up and if you're a grandparent especially, you can uh, also encourage your children as they bring up their, their uh, little ones uh, in this way. But first of all, uh, training requires a vision. Training requires a vision. Um, I think that, you know, when we think of Espalia, a horticulturist is, before he actually begins, he, he has, a, in his mind at least, he has a desired outcome. What the plant should look like, what the plant should produce. Uh, he, uh, and uh, this is in other areas of life that we could think of. Uh, if uh, someone is training for a sporting event, uh, he has his eye on the prize, on the, on the finish, and, and he's working toward that. A vision gives you motivation. And so parenting requires a vision. When it comes to bringing up a child, I think as parents we need to have a goal and a purpose. What do we want for our children? Now I'm not saying that uh, we determine from an early age what their career path is. Uh, I know as a pastor you have to resist the urge that you want all your boys to be preachers. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that desire, but certainly God has to call a man. You can't just... Uh, push your sons into the ministry, so to speak, or it might end in disaster. Mm. I'm not talking about the fact that we, we have to have a vision for our children that uh, they're going to be a rocket scientist or uh, in, in, engaged in this uh, uh, occupation. Uh, some of those things will, will crystallize over time as you see their at attributes and aptitudes and so forth. But... Uh, but there should be some goals that we would have for all of our children. And uh, let me give you four of them. Uh, first of all, I think there should be a goal that our children will have a respect for the Word of God. Really, that's basic because if our children don't respect the Word of God, they don't fear God, that's really what the fear of God is all about, is fearing His Word, believing that God means what He says. If our children don't have that uh, that uh, about them, then anything you try to tell them from the Bible or show them from the Bible is just going to fall on deaf ears. So a respect for the Word of God, really that's what we do in Sunday school, isn't it? With little children. Uh, you know, little children can't learn a lot of theology. Little children can't necessarily grasp some of the deeper things of the Christian life. But we can, uh, the teachers can put into their lives that this is God's word and what God says is true. And just those basic beliefs uh, will set them up for life. And uh, so 
we, we need to, I believe that's a vision that we, we should have uh, for our children, respect for the Word of God. And likewise, respect for God's delegated authorities in their life. Uh, there's a lot of disrespect today, not only of parents, but of teachers and of pastors and definitely law enforcement. And where does all that come from? Well, it comes from a lack of teaching that God has established, uh, he has established delegated authorities. And we understand there's a difference between a delegated authority and absolute authority. Absolute authority is God, it's the word of God. And there's no, there's no variableness there. A delegated authority, such as a, a parent, a father, uh, it's not absolute. Fathers can make mistakes and do. Uh, uh, you, you know, teachers may not be perfect and they can make mistakes, but they are set up. Those that are, have the rule over you, whether it be in, in a, a New Testament church or in, out in society, those that have authority that's delegated in the Word of God, we are to respect that authority. And our children need to do that. Um, if you go home on a Sunday and have roast preacher for lunch, well, I know you don't go home for lunch, you have your lunch here. It's probably dangerous to have roast preacher over there because he's probably, probably sitting there in earshot. But you know what I mean. If your children hear you running down the church, running down the preacher, running down some brother or sister in the church, uh, you are watering down and weakening uh, their respect for authority. And if you, have ap uh, if you have issues with any of those, then you should address it personally, one-on-one, -on -one, privately. That's the biblical way, right? If you have ought against a brother, you don't spread it to others in the church and you certainly don't want to tell your children because they need to know that uh, even when we have differences, we can respect God's authority. And I believe that's a goal or a vision that we should have uh, for our children. Um, we should have a goal that our children will grow up to live a fulfilled and productive life and have a good marriage. Uh, we may have dreams and visions. I think most parents, honestly, they do. They, they see their child uh, uh, in a certain way and would love to see them engage in this. Uh, maybe it doesn't work out that way, but what we really want is that they live a, a fulfilled life, one that uh, brings honour and glory to God in whatever profession or trade or business uh, or calling that they may have, and that uh, they have a good marriage, because that's the passing on of the baton. And of course, the fourth thing that we should have a vision for in our children is that ultimately their salvation and that they would have a love for God. And uh, salvation is something every parent should be praying for uh, even before a child is born. If you, if you uh, know that you're with child and expecting that, then uh, you can begin praying that at some point in life that child will have the opportunity to hear, understand, and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that that will be an understanding that will come. Uh, as parents, we have to be careful not to uh, become so anxious that we force our children into making some profession of faith that they really just don't understand. And uh, uh, I've found that uh, in, our, in our situation, uh, you know that God is working in a child's heart when they start asking questions. 
And I might, uh, I remember times driving along with my boys or one of them and they'd ask a question and uh, it would be something to do with salvation. And you give them a straight, true Bible answer to that. And the next thing they're talking about baseball or talking about some, some other thing. It's like a fleeting thing, but you know that God is starting to work in their heart. And uh, we, uh, I think, resisted the urge to say to our kids, hey, do you want me to pull over and you can get saved right now? <laughs> but there comes a time, I think, when our children won't let it go. And they come and they say, and they ask a question and you answer it and they have another question and they just won't let it go and you know that they're under conviction and... Uh, and that's a, that's a blessing. It's a joy to be able to lead your child to Christ. Uh, but we should desire that. Uh, and uh, and uh, then look at Psalm 144, if you would. We looked at this uh, the other uh, during the week at camp. I mentioned this scripture, but talking about having a vision, uh, training a child requires a vision. And in verse number 12, uh, David says that our sons maybe as plants grown up in their youth. I think he might have thought of Espalia when he was writing this under the leading of the Holy Spirit, of course, but uh, plants grown up in their youth. Well, what do you want from a plant? You, uh, I mean, sometimes a plant is ornamental, but many times a plant is fruitful. And that's what we want to see for our young men, that they are fruitful in their lives, that they're, they're bearing fruit for Jesus Christ regardless of whatever they're doing with, uh, with their life. And that our daughters may be as cornerstones. Uh, and a cornerstone, if you think about it, in a building is, is a, a key stone. It's, it's a, a stone that uh, sets the tone for the whole building. All the measurements go from that. And that means uh, it's a very influential uh, part of a building. I'm talking about the, the stone structures that may be uh, more uh, over in the... In the uh, uh, holy land and other parts, but a cornerstone and polished after the similitude of a palace. Uh, I know in most families when you have girls you'll have some tomboys and that's fine. <laughs> they go through that stage but you know the ultimate vision is that they would be polished, they'd be refined, they'd have a grace about them uh, and uh, all of this goes into the training, all of this goes into working with our children so that um, so that they can uh, uh, be such a blessing, not only in the case of our daughters, to their husbands, but to other people and uh, particularly to the Lord. And there's great joy in that. Now, here's the thing when it comes to having a vision uh, for our children. There's always a pressure uh, for our children to have the world's best. Uh, we're constantly bombarded from outside uh, for that. Your child must excel in these things and their worldly aspirations. They may or may not be uh, wrong as far as uh, uh, evil or sinful is concerned, but remember that the Lord said in Mark 8.36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And it would be a tragedy for our children to excel academically or uh, politically or in the workplace and have great careers and make lots of money and yet die and go to hell, that would be a tremendous tragedy. And so uh, as a Christian parent, we must have a godly vision for our children. We must have an idea as to what, uh, what we want to see in their lives that's based upon 
the Word of God. So that's the first thing. Now, training also requires an understanding. Uh, if you're engaged in espalia, uh, which, by the way, I have not been engaged in, but I know that you need to have a good understanding of the nature of trees and shrubs. It's essential. You need to know what you are working with. Uh, espalia would require that you have a knowledge of the difference between water shoots which are the suckers that come out of plants versus the fruit buds and the leaf buds. You don't want to be cutting off those, but you do want to cut off the, uh, the suckers. And uh, you understand that any time you prune a tree, it fights back in the fact that it brings new growth. And uh, this last uh, fall, I decided that uh, all of our shrubs and trees needed a good pruning, and my wife would be able to tell you that any time I prune, I, I, I do about two or three years' worth so I don't have to go back. And <laughs> so this year, I, a lot of our flowering shrubs have decided to argue and not flower as uh, we are used to. But, you know, I'm not a pruner, but I know there's a science. There's an art to pruning a tree, uh, to clip at the right point and to choose the right uh, branches and so forth. And that's just too slow for me. But espalier to produce a beautiful plant requires that. And when it comes to bringing up a child, training a child, it also requires that we have a true biblical understanding of the nature of a child. Uh, look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51, in David's prayer of confession, uh, he acknowledges the fact that he was and has been a sinner from the point of uh, conception. He says in verse number five, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then he wrote over in Psalm 58, verse three, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. <laughs> and that's hard to imagine when you have a cute little newborn baby holding that in your arms and saying, oh, what a cute child that is. And of course it is a cute child, uh, but it has a sin nature. And a sin nature is diametrically, that is 180 degrees opposed to God. And so if we don't recognize that in our children, it's, we're going to make mistakes in how we bring them up. We're going to be making excuses for them and so forth. But Again, we're in a, in a society now, a secular mindset in society that uh, is very humanistic when it comes to uh, our children. Uh, humanism would say that man is the highest being. That's really the essence of humanism, that mankind is at the centre of his universe. God is pushed out of the picture. And when that happens, that makes a tremendous difference. Uh, Following that is the idea that man is basically good. That any evil that we have in society is just the backward pull uh, of our evolutionary process, but we are getting better and better. It's hard to believe that people would still believe that, but they do. <laughs> and that uh, when children come into the world, they are a blank tablet. Have you heard something like that before? That they're just a blank slate. Well, that's not true. They have a bent toward evil. And in fact, the wicked be estranged as soon as they be born. They go astray speaking lies. Uh, 
If you've had a newborn baby, you know that there are different cries. There's a cry when it's hungry. There's a cry when it's needing to have its diaper changed and so forth. But there's also a cry when they just want you. And many a parent has rushed to the cradle or to the crib uh, to pick up the child and stop it from crying. And then they put it down and they go away and the child cries again and the parent finds themselves running back and forward before it dawns on them, you know, this child is playing me <laughs> and it's only just a few months old or even less. But that's how they speak lies. They're saying, in a sense, I need you when they don't need you. They just want you. And, of course, that doesn't take long before uh, that sin nature is manifest in the lives of our children. Uh, they begin to tell little lies. They begin to act selfishly. Uh, and we realise that. And, you know, part of training children is to understand that, uh, that truth. Uh, but it also, this, this idea of understanding our children, as the Bible presents it, contradicts the, the uh, attitude of uh, child worship. Uh, there's a lot of child idolatry today where uh, children are held up as uh, uh, just so little perfect beings and that's found in parents but also in grandparents. That uh, all of your children are problem children. I'm glad mine aren't, sort of thing. You know, that attitude. They can't do any wrong. And if we get that attitude, even in a, in a, a mild way, we, uh, uh, we can overlook our sin, uh, the sins of our children. We can begin to make excuses for them. Say, well, little Johnny uh, threw a fit there because uh, he had a bellyache. Uh, <laughs> what he needed was an ache somewhere else, I guess, but. Uh, uh, you know how, how it is, but, but uh, we, we, we can make excuses. Uh, one of the ones I hear a lot from parents when their children are fussing and misbehaving, oh, they're tired. Well, perhaps they are tired, then they need to go to bed. But uh, you see, when we have the wrong uh, understanding of the nature of a child, uh, the tendency is for us to, uh, to make uh, excuses for their misbehavior or disobedience. And so I'd suggest that really it's important in raising godly children that we agree with God on the nature of a child. So we find that it requires a vision and it requires an understanding. The third thing is that training requires effort. It requires effort. I uh, mentioned this before, but espalia, if you're going to engage in that, uh, I think it must be for retired people but because uh, <laughs> uh, it takes a lot of time. Uh, it requires constant attention to that plant. Uh, you as I said, you don't just plant it and leave it. If you leave it uh, to itself, it's just going to have crooked and twisted branches and it's going to go wherever it wants to go. So it's needful to begin with a, a young plant that is tender and malleable, but in the course of uh, training that, that uh, shrub or that tree, uh, there's going to be some bending of the branches. There's going to be some forcing of branches to go where they don't want to go. And you may have noticed on some, a couple of the pictures that we put up before that those branches are restrained. They're tied uh, to a trellis. And uh, so the branch is forced to grow in that direction. Uh, this idea of restraining. And then there's going to be pruning. There's going to be coming and lopping off the uh, extraneous uh, growth that's not going to be helpful to the finished product. And I think that's apt in when we think about bringing up children. 
Uh, training begins early, when a child first arrive, arrives. As we pointed out in Proverbs 22 and verse number 6, that train up a child. Don't wait until they're uh, a toddler. Don't wait until they're a, uh, a preteen. Don't wait till they're a teenager. And certainly don't wait till they're a young adult to start training them to, uh, to be what God wants them to be. But it requires the shaping of their lives. Train up a child in the way he should go. Not the way he wants to go necessarily, but the way he should go. And you understand that children are all different. There are going to be pliable children, how sweet they are. And God usually blesses a home with at least one pliable child who just wants to please mom and dad, wants to please God, wants to do right, and they're so easy to raise, at least uh, easier. But every home is usually blessed with a strong-willed child. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe you all had perfect children. I'm not sure. But, you know, that, uh, that strong-willed child uh, is, is quite the challenge. Um, and uh, so every child, this is not a, a pat uh, formula uh, that you apply uniformly to every child. That's why as parents you've got to be praying and, and, and thinking and talking to each other and, and uh, uh, understanding your children so that you can best help them. But shaping their lives requires bending and it doesn't happen naturally. That's why in the book of Proverbs, look over in chapter 29 and verse 15, uh, the first part of this verse and of course, this is found in several places throughout the book of Proverbs. It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. The rod and reproof. Well, that's not very, very positive, is it? I mean, uh, but that's, that's how wisdom is gained, by the careful, prayerful use of the rod and reproof. And that is the, the bending and the shaping that has to take place in a child's life. Remember, children really don't know what's best for them. Uh, uh, the Bible says a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And if you think that uh, my child is so good, so perfect, that you know, I really don't have to do much, uh, he or she is going to raise themselves uh, and you just leave it to them, you're going to find this great shame. Uh, the rod and reproof are going to bring wisdom. So there is the shaping of lives, and that is the bending of the branches, so to speak. And then there is the restricting, which is the banding. Sometimes you band off a, a branch and you have restrictions that are placed on a tree so that it's not going to do that which is contrary to your vision. And when it comes to uh, children, uh, here's a couple of areas that uh, sometimes restrictions have to apply and should apply. Proverbs 28 verse 7, talking about our com the companions that our children uh, have, the uh, children that they play with. Uh, the Bible says in the latter part of verse number 7, he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. And uh, this is something that can be quite difficult in a home when uh, children have friends in the neighbourhood next door neighbours or down the road and they like to play together. Uh, and children, one of the things about children is they love to play. Jesus even spoke about children playing in the marketplace. It's a natural thing for children to play. And um, so we, we need to accommodate that, but we also need to, 
to know who they're playing with. And uh, I think uh, if you've had children and perhaps they've grown up some, you, you can think of times when uh, they come home and they're acting so differently and you kind of figure out you know who they were with because it's rubbed off on them. Uh, that's the way of sin. Sin usually rubs off on us. Righteousness rarely rubs off on sinners, if you know what I mean, in that regard. So companions, uh, it's important uh, that uh, our children have the right companions. I love the scripture when, uh, you know, the story of how the Lord Jesus, when he was 12 years old and he was left behind in Jerusalem by his parents and uh, I think what they, they had gone uh, several days journey before they missed him. And you say, what terrible parents they must have been. But they just assumed he was with his friends and uh, kin, his kinfolk. Uh, and you know, that's a good place to start uh, with companionship for children is, is uh, uh, certainly other family members, or though these days you've got to be careful there, but in the church is a good place to, to find friendships. It's not saying that the other children that belong to other families are perfect little angels, but at least you can keep your eye on them and you can see if things are going in a different, in an untoward direction, you can step in. Um, and, and so this is a process. It takes a lot of wisdom. Of course, when they uh, stop being little children and they grow into teenage years, there's uh, greater temptations and, and there's that need for socialising that comes into their life and they're expanding and they're growing in their, uh, in their personhood and so uh, it becomes even more difficult uh, or more of a challenge, I should say, that as parents we uh, understand the principle that if they're going to run with the wrong crowd, it's going to rub off on them. And uh, so uh, we need to look at companions, that's the restriction. And I'm sure that if a, if a plant had feelings, and there's no tree huggers here, I'm sure, uh, but if a plant had feelings and you were uh, restraining it and restricting it, it would complain. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than a complaining tomato bush, uh, so to speak. Well, it doesn't, but it also requires pruning. And there are things that have to be cut off. And uh, if a plant had feelings, I'm sure it would say, ouch. And sometimes... Uh, it's not pleasant, but we have to prune some things in our children's lives. We don't do it as the way I would prune, just kind of take a trimmer and just go to town and take off everything that I can so that I don't have to mess with it for a while. Pruning is an art and it requires loving care and understanding and uh, depending on the age of the child, explaining why this needs to take place in their life. Pruning is never uh, a pleasant thing. Uh, the Bible talks about, as we saw there, the rod of correction uh, there in uh, Proverbs 29. Uh, but also, not just companions, but choices that our children make. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25 through 27. This is wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, advice here. The Bible says, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And 
as we work with our children, of course, <clears throat> we, um, they're not going to naturally do that, so we need to help guide them in that path to teach their eyes to look right on, not to be looking around, so to speak, uh, and, uh, you know, I think of uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, Vanity Fair and all of those distractions that were there for Pilgrim as he was heading toward the celestial city. Uh, the devil's got a lot of things out there. And unfortunately, our children uh, don't have the experience of the end result of those uh, distractions. We as parents do, either by our own experience or at least by the fact that we've heard enough, that it's out of love that we will, we will uh, do that pruning and, uh, and uh, maybe our children don't always understand. But if we let them know that we love them, and that's so important that we're, we're constantly reminding our children that we do love them. Uh, even when we have to be uh, hard on them uh, and uh, so forth, then uh, with God's help, they'll understand, they'll appreciate it. And I know, <laughs> I think every one of us who've reached adult years and put some age on, we'll, we'll look back and say, boy, yeah, my dad should have spanked me a whole lot more. Uh, my parents knew what they were talking about. Uh, we don't, children don't understand that. Young people don't understand that. Uh, and uh, that we just need to pray that God will be gracious there. It's, a, it's an ongoing effort. Uh, as I said, this, this Espalia principle doesn't just uh, uh, you know, take care of it and leave it. You, it's a daily on, uh, ongoing effort. And so in bringing up children, consistency is essential. Probably this is one of the greatest problems in a home, that uh, if we're not in control of our own, uh, our own temper, so to speak, or our own uh, 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 attitudes, uh, we can be very inconsistent. Uh, Dad comes home tired from work and, and sees a mess on the floor and, and the tendency is to get angry with the children and blow up and say, if you don't get that cleaned up, uh, then we're, we're not going to do this or that. Uh, but then the next time he comes home and he's in a good mood and there's a mess on the floor and uh, uh, nothing happens. And that's confusing to a child. But it's also unhelpful to a child because they soon learn to read their parents and they soon know how to play their parents and, uh, and they can manipulate. And so consistency is one of the great things that needs to be in a, in a Christian home. You see, there's no easy way or shortcut. Uh, people will spend hours training for an athletic event. Um, I know my, my sister and, and uh, my brother, uh, they train to walk the Kokoda Trail across the spine of New Guinea, which for Australians is a very uh, sacred uh, trail because of the fighting in World War II. And it's tough. And they trained for months and they trained and they walked and they hiked and they climbed mountains in Queensland uh, before they actually made that trip. But they put hours into it. And anyone who's training for an Olympic event or some sporting event is going to spend hours training. People spend hours training their dogs. And yet so often we have little time for our children. And they are the most priceless possession that we have here on this earth. Parental tiredness, inconsistency or laziness on the part of parents, being self-absorbed in our own little life, uh, they are enemies of raising our children. 
And so what I'm saying is that it requires a lot of effort. And all I can do is encourage you in that effort. It is worth it. Uh, I can speak from our experience by the grace of God. Uh, we have three children who are grown up, married, have, now we have grandchildren. And our children are all serving God faithfully. Uh, we don't uh, uh, pin that on as a badge of look how great parents we were, but God's word works. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of mistakes, or at least I did, but uh, God was gracious to us. And what a joy it is. And to have, of our eight grandchildren, now four have come to Christ, and uh, they are faithful and serving God in their own little ways. So this is a great blessing. And it's hard as young parents to see that, <laughs> especially when our children are just being terrible. How could this possibly work for my child. We must have the worst child ever. No, it's just their little nature fighting back. Just be loving, just be consistent and be biblical. God will bless you. I really think he will. The last thing I want to uh, bring out, looking at the time here, training requires love. Uh, exponents of Expalia obviously have a great love for the art of uh, Espalia and, uh, and of trees. And usually they get very excited to show off the end result of their patience. But that requires a high level of dedication. And yes, even a love for what they're doing. Well, bringing up children in the fear and admonition of the Lord is a work of love. Um, and as Christian parents, we can easily get out of balance. We can, uh, we can uh, major on judgment. You know, <laughs> there's judgment and mercy in the Bible. And we have to balance that. Uh, we can major on judgment. We become impatient and intolerant with our children. We become very hard on our children and we're quick to use the rod. Or we major on mercy and we overlook disobedience and we threaten but we never really carry out that threat. So there is a balance. But let me point out, if you go back to Proverbs 29.15, Proverbs 29.15 uh, the Bible says here that the rod and reproof give wisdom. That word and I think is critical. Uh, bringing up children is not necessarily spanking them for every little thing. Some parents I know have done that. Every little time a child puts their foot out of line, so to speak, they get a spanking. But the Bible says the rod, which is spanking, and reproof. And reproof is instructing, correcting, and teaching. And of course, we have the Word of God, which is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, and, or correction and instruction in righteousness. So training your children, yes, it will require, particularly at a younger age, it will require, as they say, the uh, applying the Board of Education to the seat of learning. But uh, don't forget the... Uh, the uh, uh, reproof, the instruction that you can give them and teaching them. And even when you've had to deal with a child uh, corporately and, and you've applied the rod, uh, spanking them and sending them off to their bedroom and leaving them there is only part of it. You've got to spend time with them going over what God says and why you as a parent need to obey God because that's what God wants. And teaching them, using it as a teaching tool as well, as uh, something for, uh, for correction. 
Parental discipline should be, uh, should be seen as being arms of love and security. Uh, believe it or not, children uh, feel secure when you love them enough to correct them. Uh, the, the modern thinking is, uh, how could you do that to a child? Uh, <laughs> well, how could you not? Uh, but a child, uh, they may not appreciate it, I'm sure, at the time, uh, but you're telling them, I care enough about you that I don't want to see you get hurt. And so this is why I am spanking you, this is why uh, I'm grounding you if it's older and so forth. Uh, whatever the process is, uh, uh, we should, uh, our, our discipline should be seen as, as arms of, of love and mercy, a boundary that gives security to our children. And love, should, as I said, should always be expressed to a child. If they know that, they'll accept correction. If they don't think you love them, they'll see your correction as just vindictiveness, taking it out on them, and uh, we have to be careful there. But the right kind of love, as it is between a husband and wife, is always unconditional love. That we will love our children regardless of what they may do. And there are times in adult life when our adult children have done things that are shameful, um, and uh, they're still our children. And unconditional love means that we will love them unconditionally. It doesn't mean uh, that uh, we'll overlook sin, but it means that we'll always want the best for them throughout their life. Let me give you three ABCs here in uh, kind of to summarise this before we're finished. A stands for admonition. Admonition is demonstrated instruction. It's not telling them what to do, it's showing them what to do, saying, son, this is what you need to do and let me show you how to do it. That's admonition. Young children need not just, don't just tell them, but show them and teach them. Uh, this is all new to them. And uh, if you're trying to show them how to uh, you know, push a lawnmower safely, uh, then you need to be out there with them and showing them. Don't just say, go out and mow the lawn. They might mow off their foot. Admonition. B is for benevolence, which is the nurture, a consistent spiritual atmosphere. Uh, benevolence means that you're, it's care, and it's showing that you care for them. And the C stands for chastening. Correction, I should say. Correction or chastening. Applying the rod of correction. Never out of frustration, but with deliberation. Uh, if there's defiance on the part of the child then, and failure to obey immediately, that, that those things are not accidents. Uh, our, you know, we do have to, with little children, we do have to break the will, but never the spirit. Uh, their, their will needs to be in line with our will. We are the authority as parents but don't break their spirit where they become discouraged. And there's a, there's a battle that we fight with our children. And it's not our children, it's the devil, and it's their sin nature. Remember that. Well, these three a ABCs, I think, are essential. Parents who admonish, that is, teach and instill God's word into their children, uh, if they do that but they don't correct, then they're just going to have wild, self, uh, wild, proud and self-willed children who know it all up here, but haven't learned to, uh, to obey. Parents who correct but don't teach their children will 
produce insecure, nervous children. But parents who both correct and teach, uh, and if they, that's, that's what we need to do, but if we don't provide a loving atmosphere, then we'll have confused children. So these ABCs are essential, that we do all three. And the greatest blessing, of course, is that our children would come to know Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, But from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And uh, giving them the word of God at a young age and teaching them and showing them will one day result in that just amazing day when your little boy or your little girl is born again. And God has saved their soul for all of eternity. What a blessing that is. Well, listen, I think I've run out of time. I hope that that was uh, uh, instructive and helpful and thoughtful uh, to you. And uh, God bless you. And uh, we, are we dismissed or do you need to...